0: And I'm not sure whether it's, it's the tradesman in me um, or whether it's just the, the, way, the way the Lord's wired me in asking questions. I, I've warned you guys before, I am that child that asks, you know, where and why and, and why does that mean that and, and what have you. But um, blueprints, right? that's kind of how I operate, being able to, to see it on paper. Uh, being able to, well, when you can draw it out, let's say on a napkin, or when you're having a conversation, you're able to explain it, and not in 36 classes <laughs> at NBBI. So uh, part of what I'm trying to do with this, this series as we continue to look at these four questions um, that these apostles were asking in John 13 and 14, um, is just to show you on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper what they understood. Because when we read in the Gospels, and rightly so, because we have the beginning and end of the story, right? We read it. We understand that Jesus came. Uh, We understand that the Messiah in the Old Testament Hebrew means anointed chosen one, right? We understand that. We understand that they didn't speak Hebrew in the New Testament. They spoke Greek, right? And, And we see that Jesus is the Christ, which means anointed chosen one. Jesus is the Christ, the Son, origin of God. And we understand that He came, right? He, he, He went willingly to the cross. He paid the price for sins. They buried him. He rose again on the third day, right? Victorious. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father as King. Right? We see as King. We understand that. And when we believe that, we receive that relationship with God. We understand looking at that backward, backwards. But for these guys in John chapter thirteen, um, Peter asking the question in John thirteen verse thirty seven, um, pardon me thirty six, Lord, where are you going? Well, remember Peter didn't understand the cross. Right? Peter didn't understand that that I mean Jesus had been telling him that he was going to die, that he was going to suffer at the hands of the Pharisees, but Peter. He was looking backwards. He was looking back over all the the, the Old Testament scriptures. And he was going, well, we've been waiting for you, Jesus. We've been waiting for you to bring Israel's new covenant kingdom of God. You promised that to Abraham. We've been waiting for you. Peter didn't get why Jesus had to die, and understandably. All right, so as we read back, we recognize the importance of placing our faith in Christ, the Son of God, what He did on the cross for Peter. He was just like, King, bring the kingdom even now, so Jesus, come, All right? Let's do this. Well, what about, now we come to Thomas in 14, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Right, and we'll get into this as, as we study, but again, for poor Thomas, he's going, king, kingdom now. Right, I don't understand. The, the, there's an in-between. I don't understand the cross. And as he looks back, we see that arrow in our diagram. Looking back over Scripture, this doesn't make sense to me. He didn't understand Isaiah 53. And we come down to uh, Philip's question in verse 8. Lord, show us the Father... And it is sufficient for us. Understandably, Philip wanted some proof. Wanted a little bit of evidence. And Jesus had been walking with them for, for three and a half years now, explaining to them that he is of God. He spoke for the Father. Right? He had come from the Father. He is the, the Son of God. He is the only begotten King that had been sent. And then lastly for Judas, not Iscariot, in verse 22... Of John chapter 14 and again with that that arrow they're all looking back they're all in that place they believe that Jesus is the Christ um they're reading their scriptures but but it's without that cross and that picture and Judas said to him Lord how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world and as we study we're going to see the promise of the coming spirit the pouring out of the spirit But before we get that, I want us to just get in our our mindset why this was so hard for these Jews. Turn with me to John chapter 3, and I just recognize that we haven't prayed yet, so we better do that before we get too much momentum. But um, just wanting to show on on the map, show on the the blueprints here, why this was so hard and why us who, who understand the cross why it's so important for us to understand what was done, understand that Jesus, yes, He was the sacrifice, but He came as God's King and died in our place, and now He's ruling over everything, combining those two, two pictures for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. Lord, I thank You for, for the Scriptures that are open. I thank You that I hear pages turning. Lord, this is how You speak. Lord, I just pray as we look at these verses, as we read through, understanding, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and for many in this room, just remind us how fortunate we are, Lord, how, how blessed we are that, that we understand the message of the cross, we understand the message of, of who is in control over everything, and Lord, at the same time, I recognize that there are many in our lives who don't understand your plan don't understand your kingdom, don't understand because they don't read and they don't understand what they're reading. And you've gathered us here um, as disciples to be trained, as teachers to be trained, as parents and grandparents to be able to explain this to people you bring across our paths. So I pray for an understanding. I pray that your spirit would move. And I pray these things just in your holy name. Amen. So if we continue in John chapter 3, right, who's Jesus talking to in John chapter 3? A man by the name of Nicodemus. Right? Uh, he was a Pharisee. Now Pharisees knew their scriptures very, very well, did they not? Right? I mean, they, they knew their scriptures. I mean, looking, looking back over Malachi and Zechariah and the minor prophets and Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah... Um, the the king records in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles Genesis they knew those scriptures, and you have Nicodemus hearing Jesus speak, or hearing the arguments that were beginning amongst the the political Pharisees right and what Jesus was saying and we'll just read this because we understand that that Nicodemus didn't understand the cross, he was reading his scriptures. And Jesus, when he was explaining why he came, explaining why he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he wasn't just using words, he was using scriptures as well as he spoke for the Father. So let's just read it, understanding that Nicodemus finds himself just after John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist had been preparing the way for the Messiah King. So verse 1 says, There was a man... "...of the Pharisees, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, "'Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God.'" Deuteronomy 18 comes up. They knew that God was going to send them a new prophet like Moses. You know, you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Hmm. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see. Again, think Nicodemus, he's thinking kingdom of God. He's thinking Israel's new covenant kingdom promised to Abraham, right? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we as New Testament believers know that's talking about the the regeneration, that becoming a new creation, right? When we place our faith in Christ, what happens, right? We're made new, we're regenerated, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, Right? We're we're adopted and baptized into Christ and we're sealed. Right? That that's a that's a promise. You have the Spirit as a guarantee. Did Nicodemus understand that? He he had Ezekiel 36, where the Spirit is poured out, and, and there is a, a a newness and there is a, a place where, where no man needs to teach his neighbor for all will know. Right? He understood that as he read through his scriptures. We look at it and we go, well, that's simple. I just read Ephesians. <laughs> Nicodemus didn't have Ephesians, so we better keep reading. Right? Most assuredly say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you can almost see Nicodemus going, well, okay. Um, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Honest enough question without your New Testament. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, and this is, this is a, a, almost like a new term, but he's using the Old Testament to process this. The Old Testament, he's going, born again and kingdom of God. Born again and Jesus sitting on the throne. What does that have anything to do with each other here? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water. My professors explain that to me. There's a lot of water when a baby's born, isn't there? Right? There's a lot of water. <laughs> Dustin, is there a lot of water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's water. I mean, it's part of it's part of being physically born. Right? But unless one is born of water and the spirit. Right? That that spiritual new birth, that, that being born of God and God placing his spirit in you in that regenerating process Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How do we receive a relationship with God? We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and we receive that Spirit. We receive that that newness of life. We understand that looking back, right? Um, Nicodemus didn't understand that at this point. That which is born of flesh is flesh can you earn your salvation through works no 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 a person cannot earn their way to heaven A person cannot be good enough right? we can i like working with my hands but there's nothing that i can do that's good enough to to receive a relationship with god i'm still a sinner right that which is flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit because it's God himself. That's what, when you place your faith, you trust yourself and God gives of himself. God gives you the, the righteousness that you need. Do not marvel, Nicodemus, Jewish ruler, the one with all your Old Testaments. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again spiritually. You must believe. You must receive what only God can give you. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Right? That's why faith is so important. Right? We, 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 we become convinced by what we read. Right? We convince, we believe what Jesus says. We believe what God has presented. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, Can we see why he's struggling so much? We understand why Peter and Thomas and Philip and Judas were having a hard time. They're looking back. They're looking back over their scriptures. And Jesus is explaining to them that there's a transition happening here. How can these things be? I would have asked the question too. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? I think many people sit in pews. For many years and don't know how to explain that to someone right or a question sitting in a coffee at tim hortons and the question comes up and and again so go talk to your pastor about that all right well, that's why we're here but we, we we equip everyone with that right okay verse 11 most assuredly i say to you we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witnesses my bible helps me capitalizing those because right? we know that the Trinity's in mind here. We know as, as God sent His Son and, and the Son of God is there and the Holy Spirit's at work. There's the we and the our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Right? There, there's the faith aspect. You have to listen and believe that He's speaking for God, speaking these spiritual things. Um, sometimes it doesn't make sense and that's where our faith kicks in. Verse 13, he says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Who's the he? Jesus. Jesus the Christ, the Messiah Christ that they were watching and and standing before Nicodemus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What is Jesus using here for for proof, for evidence for him? He's coming back to Numbers. He's using the Scriptures. He's showing Nicodemus, you know this. Here's your illustration. Turn to to Numbers. Remember Moses lifting up that, that bronze serpent. That whoever believes in him... Who's the him? Jesus, Jesus Christ, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Nicodemus had to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Placing his faith in Him, he would enter into that promise of the kingdom. Enter into that, you are the King, and follow Him in obedience as Jesus leads. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What do you think that meant for Nicodemus? He doesn't understand the cross at this part. And again, I want to emphasize, we do. We are saved by placing our faith in Christ. He paid the price. He is the sacrifice. He is the lamb of God but he's also our king right he's our authority he's our head it, we're, we're to bend the knee and confess him as Christ right we understand that so Peter, or Nicodemus looking back over for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son we believe in Jesus's deity right the answer is yes very quickly (laughs) let's say yes Jesus Jesus is God the second person of the Godhead fully God Jesus came in the likeness of man right God himself God incarnate God took on flesh so Jesus is fully God fully man and I had one of my professors and, and as I read through some of the different commentaries that that word begotten So we have, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is of God. Jesus is God. He's his son. But we have this word begotten, right? And oftentimes, I know for me, I think origin, he's of God, and then I move on. But that word begotten carries with it the idea of heirship, okay? The idea of when a king was passing on, right, to a prince, the heirship of the throne. He would be begotten to the throne. I mean I get confused sometimes. Begetting, begotten. Um, but do we understand that? In the ancient Near East, if somebody somebody was passing on the kingdom to the prince, he would beget them to the throne. He would beget them to, to the future throne. So that kind of brings another aspect to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, right? As Jesus came, what did he tell what did what did Gabriel tell Mary? That he was going to be great, the son of the highest, and he would rule on David's throne. He was going to be the begotten king. Right, so here Jesus, God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten. Here is Jesus come to be king, begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we understand Jesus came, and we're looking back, but Jesus came. Um, he came as the begotten king, we understand he was rejected right, to the point where they nailed him to the cross. Right, he came as the begotten king. He came as the begotten sacrifice. Right, the Lamb of God who paid the price for sins. And when they nailed the king to the cross and he went into the grave and he defeated sin, Satan, and death and rose victorious, our king rose victorious. The Son of God rose victorious. Right? The king that we're going to reign with and, and, and underneath, in Israel's kingdom of God, rose victorious. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to understand. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten head, king, ruler, son, right? God Himself come in the flesh, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Nicodemus' eyes are supposed to turn to the kingdom of God at that point. I believe that you're my king. I believe that you've come from God. He didn't understand the cross yet. We do. But he understood. If I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, then I will enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus explains this a little bit more. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved don't want to mine too deep but didn't we just read Zacharias talking about being saved from their enemies saved into rest saved into that kingdom by faith that Jesus is the Christ the son of God Jesus was going to lead them into God's covenant promises the kingdom of God he who believes in him who's the him Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King, right? God Himself in the flesh. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe, right? And we know this, this word condemned comes with that. Guilt is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten, right? The King, the heirship. I mean, Jesus is seated on the throne right now. The begotten Son of God. Right? The name. And I'll end up preaching the rest of the chapter if I keep going, so we'll stop. But do we see that in that perspective, right? We understand that Jesus is the king. We understand that Jesus is the sacrifice. Peter, he saw Jesus as the king. And Jesus is going, I, I'm going to die. I'm going to, they're going to kill me. And Peter's like, my king doesn't die. What do you mean? Peter didn't understand the sacrifice. Much the same way, I believe, sometimes we get so no, I have to. They're both so important. I don't want to I don't want to put one on the other, but but we, we we sing and we love and we say with all our hearts, thank you for the cross and the sacrifice we understand right, like our faith starts with the sacrifice and our lives don't reflect jesus being king over our lives and you can't separate those two right? he is the sacrifice but he is the begotten king he is to be our priority in everything right his blood covers all our sins right and that that leads us to saying i love you lord i want to obey you with everything you are my king you can't separate those two. And I can't help but think that, that that we do we we try and see them in two different ways because our lives would look different if we were bent kneed before the king. Right? Our church and its ministries would look different. The, 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 the way we, we prioritize and that it would look different if we understood that Jesus is the Lamb, our sacrifice, and our King of highest authority. And, and, and we kept them where they need to be together. The only, Jesus Christ is the, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So just let me read through Psalm chapter 2. And we'll, we'll just close with this. We'll go home and, and let us meditate on this. And at some point, we'll have to, have to really, really get into this. But I think of Peter, and, and I keep picking on Peter. I think it's because I, I relate with him, and maybe it's because he's the first question in this chapter, um, John chapter 13, that we're looking at. But Peter's looking back over his Old Testament scriptures, and he's like, where are you going? He doesn't understand the sacrifice part of this. He understands the king part. I mean, he, he's going to lop off somebody's ear right, in the garden, right, just trying, like, you know what, this isn't going to happen to my king, right, that's what they're supposed to do, but he's looking back, he saw it as David looked forward, as as the psalmist is is writing this, says, why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing, we're going to see them raging against Christ, I don't want to get too distracted, like we have Jesus as the begotten king, We have Jesus as the Son of God, of God Himself, the sacrifice that had come. But there's a lot of practical applications to Psalm chapter 2, or Psalm 2. Let me just read it. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, Jehovah, and against His anointed. Do you have a side note in your Bible? All right, I have a little number. I follow it over. And then it tells me here, there, another word for anointed Christ. Okay, so we know this is foretelling. This is looking forward. Um, the Christ against his Christ, against his commissioned one. And my note says in the Hebrew, Messiah. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed Christ Messiah, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Anybody else thinking about the world we live in right now? Everybody that's rejecting the begotten King, rejecting the price that was paid on the cross. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Mockery, confusion, ridicule. Then He shall speak to them in His wrath and distress them in His deep displeasure. Yet I have set my King on my holy hill of zion and if this is david writing this he sees over all of this to israel's coming kingdom he sees the day of the lord he sees the time where the only begotten king the son of god god himself fully god fully man takes his seat on the throne to reign for that thousand years right in that messianic kingdom he who sits in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. God's deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king. Who's the king? Jesus Christ. The Son of God. God himself in the flesh. On my holy hill of Zion, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my king son, origin of God himself, fully God. Today I have begotten you, right? Heir, throne. Who's the king of kings, lord of lords? Jesus, our, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, he is your king. He is the king of kings, lord of lords, sitting at the right hand of the father right now. We see that with the whole story. They're looking forward at that. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. When Jesus takes that throne in that thousand year messianic kingdom, is he going to just rule over Israel? It's going to be over the nations. It's going to be over Israel and the nations. Um, We're going to rule and we'll get there, I promise. We're going to rule and reign with Christ... After we pass by the judgment seat, after we stand before the king, the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. We remember the harmony that comes in with that messianic kingdom. We're almost done. And you shall break them with a rod of iron. Who's the you? King Jesus. Fully God, fully man, right? The Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And I think there we've done... We'll just finish this. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. No, we won't go to 1 Corinthians 6. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Verse 12, and I, I hope you highlight your Bibles. There's nothing like being able to explain this to someone who, who, and again, I'm having a hard time. I don't want to say just sees Jesus on the cross because that lessens it. I mean, Jesus on the cross is everything, but it's meshed with him being king, right? I'd see the king, see Jesus on his throne, see, yes, the church is going to be raptured at any moment. There's going to be seven years of tribulation, but then He's going to return and there's going to be a thousand years where we rule and reign with Christ. That's what we're looking forward to. In His presence, kiss the Son, lest He be angry. Sounds like there's an accountability. Why is it possible for God not to be pleased, for Christ not to be pleased with your life right now? Of course there is. Right, there's an accountability. We don't get to do whatever we do. You place your faith in Christ, you're positionally saved, but 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 we don't get to do whatever. There is an obedience. There's going to be a time when we answer and we have to tell him the things that we're doing in our lives that is good, but we have to tell him the bad too. And we'll get into that. It says, kiss the son lest he be angry, right? The he, Christ, anointed Messiah, king, and you perish in the way. That's the, the world's way, and, and there's much that could be said about that, but we believe in eternal security, right? You're sealed, right? And, and don't get confused in that. You're safe in the Father's right hand. When His wrath is kindled, but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. Who's the Him? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right? Our sacrifice, blended, meshed inseparable with the king of kings lord of lords right that that's the picture of our faith that's the picture of of who we answer to that's the picture of of when we place our faith in christ we're saved and and our knees are bent living in obedience knowing that he's coming again right and he's coming for his church so there's encouragement there there's also accountability and there's also a time where we need to examine ourselves because we will stand before Him. And we're living in a day and age where I don't think many believers are examining. And I think they're missing a big portion of what Jesus' is coming again truly means. Amen? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this time. I thank You for just being able to quiet ourselves. Um, to, to draw some pictures, Lord, and just read through some texts, understanding that you, you are our Jesus. But Lord, you're, you're our Jesus who is the King of kings, Lord of lords. Lord, and, and, and my knee doesn't bend as quickly and as often as it needs to. Lord, I, I, I pray for you to humble me in these ways. Lord, I pray for my church family that they would follow in that, as they seek their hearts, where they stand before you, Lord, that they would pray for that humility and that bended knee. Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, I pray that that is, is, is front and center of all this. Lord, your your plan of redemption, Lord, it is your, your plan for man's place in your presence, and you provided that with the death of your Son on the cross. Lord, I pray that we would put these pictures of king and king lords and lords and and the sacrifice back together and that our lives would reflect that and i pray for our conversations lord sharing the gospel of the cross is a precious thing but there's a a recognition of you as king of kings that follows and that's what leads our life and that's what we look forward to and i pray that you would continue to teach us and and move us into learning how to how to explain that to our loved ones and our family. I pray that we would fall deeper in love with your scriptures. I pray for a hunger, that we would not be content with surface things. And I pray that we would ask many questions. That's the only way to learn, Lord. And and, and I pray that you would just continue to cultivate that here. Uh, And Lord, I thank you for Mother's Day. And I thank you for moms. And I thank you for what this afternoon holds. And I just lift these things to you in your precious name. Amen.